Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. Like in many other parishes, including St. Patrick's, Mass is celebrated 364 days a year. The only time there's not a Mass is on Good Friday. We do offer communion at the service for Good Friday. But 364 days we have Mass. Most of us as Catholics are familiar with the Sunday Mass, with music, with gathering, and a true celebration uh, on the Lord's Day. But on weekday Mass, it's called, Monday through Friday here at St. Patrick's at 8 o'clock, we have Mass that's more simplified. About 100 people come, but the entire church is open. Since the pandemic has started, a number of people who are not ready to come to larger crowds come to the weekday Mass because they can sit anywhere in the church in case they want distance from people, and they can still receive communion, and it works for them. Even those who work on the weekend who can't come to Mass, rather than being away from communion, they come. And so the church offers special feast days on the weekday Mass. Special saints have their own particular day. I love St. Patrick's Feast Day because everyone knows that day, including atheists. Everyone celebrates St. Patrick's Day. Everyone knows that. And there are other feast days that saints are, are given to. This past Friday was the feast day of a saint most of us don't know called St. Josephat. And that was celebrated on Friday. He's a bishop, but also a martyr who died for the faith. His name was John, and he was born in what we now call Ukraine. So he was part of what we would call the Eastern Church. There was the Roman Church, which we're part of, and the Eastern Orthodox Church that had separated many, many centuries ago. And he lived in the late 1500s and beyond. And so a bishop was named in the Eastern Church there who really desired reunification and union with the church in Rome as well. And he got other bishops to agree with that, and he kind of worked on that. John entered and became a monk and eventually a priest and took the name Josephat. And he made his mission throughout his life to work for the union of the church, the Eastern Orthodox, with the church in Rome to be unified again. When he was named bishop in an area, another hierarchy took over and was really against that idea. And he got other bishops as well. When... um, uh, Josephat worked with the other monks, they were upset as well. And they said, we don't want Roman, Roman thought to ruin our masses and all our customs. And so they were against Josephat, and yet he still convinced many people through patience, through preaching, through example, through synods that he hold as well, that he convinced many people it would be a good idea. He was invited to go into a dangerous area, an area that was against his idea, People encouraged him not to. And so he went anyway, and the bishop who was against that and other people sent a priest specifically just to yell slurs at St. Josephat. And at that function, the priest showed up and started yelling, and they arrested him and put him in the bishop's house. When the mob heard that, they started ringing the bell and called everyone together, and they were ready to storm the bishop's house. They eventually let the priest go, but the mob broke in anyway, and killed Josephat. People who were upset about change, didn't like it, were willing to use violence because they didn't like the idea that the Roman church and the Eastern church could work towards some kind of unity. Change is hard. 
Not many people really enjoy change because it's difficult when we're accustomed to the way things are, things that we've decided that we believe and that are right, and we don't like entering into the unknown into a chaotic situation that change many times leads us to. And yet, that is the core of how we enter into these readings now called the end times or the apocalyptic type of literature in the Bible that we hear. In other words, the final days, the end of the world, the coming of God's kingdom. The church traditionally now, as this liturgical year is ending, we've heard a lot from the Gospel of Mark, starting in Advent, a new year begins for the church with the Gospel of Luke being the main gospel. But traditionally, at this time of year, we all hear end times readings. And it's really hard and difficult to understand what's our response from us in the pews about these end-time readings. It's really difficult. People take courses to understand that. I don't think I can teach that long because we'll miss the Cardinals game, so that ain't happening, huh? <laughs> but I thought I would share you maybe one idea that might be practical in how you and I can learn to listen to end-times readings. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, the Son of God, meets opposition? Isn't it interesting that people are against change? And the things he proposes, that they're willing to kill him, and they do. The very first words out of Jesus' mouth in Scripture is metanoia. Change your heart. Change your ways. Jesus didn't come into the world just to give us a thumbs up and going, you're doing okay, just hang in there. Jesus says, no, I'm proposing something new. And that newness is the kingdom of God. So in today's Gospel with Mark, the disciples have the attitude is, how are we going to tell the end of times? When is your kingdom going to come? What do we look for? Are we going to be saved and who's not going to make it? And Jesus goes, that's not the right attitude. No one's going to know. Only the Father. He knows something might be happening and even Mark as well. But here's the thing that the language that you and I hear in the Bible. Many times we go, oh, the year 2020, look, it's coming alive. The book of Revelation, we're all doomed. We misuse the end time readings. And people will say, we'll be taken up and who's going to be left behind? Those things are not how Christians look at the end times. Let me give you one insight. The end times language used in the Bible represents the clash and conflict of the kingdom of God with people's unwillingness to change their hearts. God's kingdom is coming. That's what Jesus preaches. Here it comes, ready or not. And one day it'll be established everywhere. When injustice and suffering and the lack of human compassion will be gone. And what will take over will be God's kingdom. But those who are against it are the ones that cause Things like, symbolically, a hurricane and tornadoes and earthquakes and all the things that are really scary. It's our unwillingness to change. And the kingdom of God seeks to come and change our hearts. That's what happened to the people who were against St. Josephat. What you, are, you are too Latin for us. You are too Roman. We are against it. And we will go so much as to do violence against you and kill you because we don't want to change. Christians, many times, are an obstacle to the end of time. 
And sometimes you and I don't want to change. Isn't it interesting that Jesus invites us to love our neighbor? And yet how hard that is for many Christians? How hard it is that many Christians give the poor witnessing that they can't stand their neighbor? That somehow now we have the freedom without consequences to speak ill of our neighbor. We can even have leaders speak violently, which they think are symbolic ways, but they're ways where we're going to hurt our opponents. We're going to label people who don't think like we do, whether Christian or Catholic or political party, as evil and wrong. And we'll use language that is demeaning and belittling. And yet Jesus says, love your neighbor. Ah, not me! You don't know how evil they're bad. We have been told that. And so what we do in order not to change, we put labels on ideas and on people because then we don't have to think about it. We don't know what we're saying. We just know they're communistic, they're socialistic, they're bad people, or they're too far right, too far left, or whatever that is. And we put labels on people in order to justify that we don't have to change our hearts to love neighbor. It's never acceptable to belittle and rob people of dignity. How about loving enemy? That's something we don't want to do because we've determined who's an enemy of us, of Catholics. Look at some Catholics. They think everyone's out to get them all the time. They always love playing the victim. You know, that, oh, they're against us. Well, let me give you some news. Jesus and all his followers have been opposed from the very beginning. It's nothing new. And we're going to be okay because end times mean God's going to win out in the end. But we love our enemies. Now, love doesn't mean having warm, fuzzy feelings and getting along and shaking hands. But what it means is we do no harm. That we work towards unity and peace. But we also stand for what is right and what is decent. That we oppose oppression of people. We oppose when people are mistreated. When people are treated cruelly, we stand against those people, but we learn to love our enemies to say we do no harm. Some of us don't want to do it, and that's when the clashing happens. Someone told me after 8.30 Mass, there's no way I'm going to love a Muslim terrorist. Well, what about American terrorists? What about other people? Again, it's not you're going to have warm feelings, but you're going to learn how that you're not going to harm or hurt the enemy. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. How about Christians that love the death penalty? There's a lot of Christians, a lot of Catholics that really think it's important. That's the way to do it. That's the way you control crime. The state can, is able to do that. And you know that has no part in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God's not going to break through with all the violence and conflict of opposition to simply say there's death penalty in the heaven, the kingdom of heaven. It's not going to be there. We all know that. But yet, we'll protect it. We'll be against it. We don't want our church to be against it. We don't want to hear any preaching on the death penalty because we're for it. And I'll pull the switch. I'll do that whatever because these people should not be allowed to get away with things. Is that, is that the change? Does Jesus just simply say, hang on to what you want to do. It'll all even out at the end. No, that's hard. That's where end times comes about when you and I are against it. How about loving stranger? Foreigner, alien, the indifference and blindness to people who go over many countries and suffer greatly because 
where they live at is violence, and yet you and I feel comfortable to say, no, don't come in. In other words, we can't figure out a policy that's compassionate and fair and good. Okay? Sometimes people always say, Father, you're for open borders. I, I never said that. And the church doesn't teach for open borders. But people use that so they don't have to think for themselves. Never said that. But how do we compassionately meet people in their suffering that pleases the kingdom of God? That's where the crashing and the earthquakes and the tornadoes happen symbolically because you and I don't want to change. We're against that teaching. We're not open to it. And so I would invite you then, as the church ends this liturgical year, what's the one area that we're opposed to of the kingdom of God? What's an area where we struggle with that God really wants change in our hearts? You know, last week when we talked on mental health, we got a number of responses from the parishioners who really changed their attitude. A number of you called, a lot of you said, I didn't realize I was in a lot of pain since this all pandemic began. I didn't realize that there was help out there. Or I've tried and I've given up. Maybe I, I need to really do better and try to get help or be more aware or more compassionate to people that I love who are hurting mentally. There was a lot of changes. You know, I, I told my staff this week, and I'm very proud of this, that we might have saved some lives last week from suicide. I was reading this past week as we celebrated Veterans Day. They say, some statistics tell us, that of all the suicides, 20% of suicides are from veterans. That's a lot of suffering. And that's a lot of changing of hearts that need to happen. And you know, here's the beauty of it. Don't be afraid of end times because the end time means the suffering and the oppression and the lack of love of neighbor will be gone because God will establish his kingdom. It's whether you and I want to make it difficult by opposing what God really wants from us. This week, the bishops are beating in Baltimore. God bless them. They need all our prayers, don't they? But there are some leaders of the church, including priests and bishops, who will debate who can be at the table of the Lord. And for some reason, I don't understand, their mission is to be sure that certain people are not allowed communion. And you know, I don't worry about that. I don't worry about that because I know one day when the kingdom of God comes, no one's going to be denied. In God's kingdom, everyone will be able to eat at the table of the Lord. And no one will be there. You're not worthy. You're not living right. No one's going to be doing that. Because you know, sinners need food from heaven to help them. And I can't think of better sinners than you people. <laughs> Some of you are the best sinners in the world. You are, including me. And don't we need communion to heal us? Don't we need communion to be with us in our fears and our unwillingness to change, our unwillingness to do what the kingdom of God invites us to do, or whatever personal struggles that we're going through? Don't we need healings? Nothing but sinners have, since this table was established here in this building 20 years ago, nothing but sinners have eaten there. 
There's maybe been a few saints, because I've known a few parishioners that are saintly. I think some of them are with the Lord already. We should name a feast day after them. That's how holy they were. But the rest of us, if you include me in, we're just sinners. And more sinners have eaten at that table than anyone else. Because Jesus ate with sinners, and that's why they killed him. They were mad at Jesus. How can you change that? How can you eat with those people? Don't you know how unclean they are? Do you know they don't, you shouldn't be eating with them? And don't call them family, and don't give them that dignity? Jesus, don't eat with them, or else we will kill you. So, I know one day, when God's kingdom is established, the Catholic Church will never debate again who's worthy to come to the table. I just wish it would be now, but I do my part, just like St. Josephat did his part. What needs to change? What are you resisting to the kingdom of God? Because end times isn't about being left behind and you will be saved because you wear your special Arizona Cardinal shirt. That ain't happening but you will be invited to participate. And when you and I start living the kingdom of God now in doing the changes that Jesus wanted us from the very beginning, we will share. We have nothing to be afraid because one day in God's kingdom, no one will be denied food from the heavenly table. Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Homily Podcast. We are Christian Disciples in Mission, 